0: Welcome back to another episode of Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Steven Gorgie, and I'm thrilled to be back with you tonight. It has been a while, but tonight I am back, and that's because for me, tomorrow marks what I consider the start of March Madness. And in my world, March Madness is is basically a national holiday. So this is about as good as it gets. So I'm going to start tonight's show by telling you why the Thursday and Friday of conference tournament week are actually days that I enjoy just as much, if not maybe even a little bit more so, than the opening weekend of March Madness. Now, I know what you're going to say. It's, that's blasphemous. Uh, the Thursday and Friday of March Madness, of the NCAA tournament, are two of the best sports days on the whole calendar. How dare you say that? And look, I don't disagree with that. I love those first two days of the NCAA tournament. I just said, I think, the whole month of March is basically a national holiday in my book. I actually think I would not be opposed at all if we just gave everybody off work those first two days of the NCAA tournament. I mean, nobody's working anyway, nobody's being productive anyway, let's just give people off. However, I love these two two days, or not really the first two days anymore, but what are essentially the first two meaningful days of Conference Tournament Week, the Thursday and Friday of Conference Tournament Week, and I'm going to tell you why. So part of this is certainly based on how I was raised, right? Everybody is shaped by their, their past experiences, and I'm no different. So for me, Conference Tournament Week has always been really special because when I was a kid, I went to the ACC Tournament every year. I went to every ACC Tournament between 1997 and 2013 as a Maryland fan. So that was just for me something where I was looking forward to March, and I knew conference tournament week was coming around. I was going to get to miss a couple days of school and go watch a ton of basketball, which was amazing to me. But it's more than just that. And especially back in in the 90s and early aughts, the ACC tournament in particular, and the Big East tournament as well, I think were just two really special tournaments. And the ACC has lost a lot of what it had. The Big East, not so much. But back at that time, I, I think the ACC was just a almost perfect collection of teams and a perfect format and a perfect number of teams. So there were nine teams in the ACC for most of that run, and it created just a pr- a-, a great tournament weekend tournament would start on thursday night with an eight nine play-in game and then on friday you'd have the quarterfinals saturday two semifinal games and you end with the championship on sunday so it creates just a really nice weekend there roy williams pejoratively called it uh, a cocktail party a three-day cocktail party but i think that's actually part of what made the acc tournament so great is it was a three-day cocktail party you had these nine teams and Seven or eight of them really, really cared about basketball first and foremost. Florida State, probably the the lone exception to that. Florida State and Clemson, probably the two exceptions about that. You can argue about Georgia Tech. There was a time where they really cared about basketball. But the vast majority of that league cared about basketball first and foremost. It was a basketball conference with basketball schools. And everybody coming to that Three day cocktail party, loved basketball, loved college basketball, loved their team, and hated the other teams in that conference. They all had history with each other. They all had rivalries. And you know what also didn't hurt? That all those teams were typically pretty good. So let me just walk you through that 1997 ACC tournament. Let's take a look at the national rankings during that time. The number one seed in that tournament was Duke. They were number seven in the country. The number two seed was Wake Forest. They were number eight in the country. The three seed was North Carolina, number five in the country. Four seed Clemson, 13th in the country. Fifth seed Maryland, 22nd in the country. So all of the top five teams were in the top 25, with the top three being in the top 10. And that Wake Forest team had a little guy you might have heard of, a seven-footer by the name of Tim Duncan. So that's what I grew up with, looking forward to every year. Was going to watch these three and a half incredible days of basketball that were just nonstop, wall-to-wall action with top teams, top players in the country, future NBA stars, and fan bases that really cared about the sport. They really cared about their teams. You know, Maryland won a national championship in 2002, but in 2004, they won the ACC tournament in a fairly miraculous run as a number six seed. And in three days, they beat the number 15 team in the country, Wake Forest, number 17 team in the country, NC State, and number five, Duke. Now, no Maryland fan out there is going to tell you that that national championship wasn't the best moment in program history. It absolutely was. But there are a lot of people out there that myself included, that will tell you nothing beats the national championship, but damn that 2004 ACC title run was fun. And again, it was because these teams were competing against the best competing against other schools that really cared about basketball first and foremost and All these fan bases hated each other. They had connections, history, rivalries with each other, and it just made it a really special environment. Now, everything that I just said about the ACC tournament at that time, you can apply that to the Big East, and the Big East still has a lot of that today. The ACC, I'm going to be honest, has lost it. It's not just because I'm a Maryland fan and they're no longer in the ACC. It's because these conferences are too damn big. I mean, you look at the ACC now, you look at these 14-team leagues, and it's impossible to have a 14-team league where every fan base really cares about basketball to the extent that these fan bases did back in those ACC Big East days. And it's not possible for all the teams in the conference In a 14-team conference, you can't have all 14 teams be competitive. So I think that's a little bit of what is lacking today. But I'm not here to talk about what's lacking today. I want to tell you why this week is still extraordinarily special to me. So that was kind of my history with conference tournaments. Always love them. Always a ton of fun. Something I look forward to each and every year. Uh, Fast forward, when I went and had my bachelor party in 2018, I went to Vegas, not for the first, first and second round of the NCAA tournament, but for conference tournament week. And here's a little life hack for you. If you love college basketball, go to Vegas for that week because it's less crowded, everything's cheaper, and you can have just as much fun because dirty little secret about these two weeks, tomorrow on Thursday of conference tournament week, there's 61 games happening. Next week, when the NCAA tournament starts, there's gonna be 16 games on that Thursday. So you have a ton more games that you can watch, gamble on, whatever, uh, during Conference Tournament Week as, to, as compared to NCAA Tournament Week. So that's part of why I actually enjoy those two days better or these two days better of Conference Tournament Week. There's also different stakes. Nothing can match the stakes of the NCAA tournament. It's win or go home. But you have a lot of different storylines going on during conference tournament week. You have seating at the top of the bracket. So trying to figure out, okay, what do these teams need to do to make sure they get number one seeds? Because it is very important if you're trying to win a national championship to go out and get a number one seed. You have on the flip side, teams that are on the bubble trying to to solidify their chances, maybe just take care of it all together and go get that auto bid. And, you know, I'm not huge into uh, you know the bubble who's in who's out I kind of tend to think that'll all work itself out at the end of the day but it is interesting to watch at times I don't get so into like who is in the ninth ninth out right now but when you have a game like we have tomorrow Michigan Indiana where both teams are really want to win that game to make sure they solidify their bid I think that's riveting and and a lot of fun to watch and then you still do have that regional component of it where these teams are playing teams that they've sometimes played two times earlier in the year, sometimes have long histories with sometimes have huge rivalries with maybe they played in conference tournaments in years past forever. It seemed like Maryland could not beat North Carolina in an ACC tournament. And uh, it, it was frustrating. It was they they were that roadblock, and you know Maryland was always trying to get past North Carolina for years. NC State always played above their seed in the ACC tournament, and I think things like that can be really special when you have that regional component, when you have that history, when you have those rivalries. Um, there is a different level of intensity. Nothing compares to playing for a national title, but. At the same time, nothing compares to playing your biggest rivals in a winner-takes-all tournament. So for me, these two days are two of my favorite of the year. The last point is, my last point on this is that, you know, with the conference tournament week two, you do still have the NCAA tournament coming up. So you kind of feel like you're just at the beginning of this magical month where, at the end of the day, Saturday and Sunday of the first and second round of the NCAA tournament, you kind of start to get that feeling like, damn, it's over. We're done. We have to wait another year for the, for the opening weekend again. But with the conference tournaments, you feel like you are just at the beginning of a magical ride that's going to, at a minimum, take you all the way through next week. But oftentimes we get good Sweet 16 Elite 8s, final fours as well, or at least we hope we do. And it's really a month long ride. So look, I I know I'm not going to convince everybody out there that these two days are great, that this weekend is great, but to me, it will always hold a special place in my heart. And I am just as excited about this weekend as I am for next week. And I just hope it kicks off an unbelievable month of basketball, because to me, there is nothing better in sports than a good month of March. So let's dig into that 61-game slate that we have on the docket tomorrow. Each of the six power conferences are in action tomorrow. Uh, From the ACC to the SEC, we have it all. So what am I looking forward to tomorrow? So there's a couple games here that I can't wait to watch. First, let's just start with the fact that we have games starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time, right? You can watch games tomorrow from 11 a.m. Eastern through 11.30 p.m. Eastern. And that is just a beautiful thing. But what games am I really looking forward to? Which ones do I want to sit down and watch start to finish? So uh, a couple early games that, that I'm really interested in. And I talked about one of them already, but it's Indiana against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. So both of these are bubble teams. Depends where you look, but for the most part, We see Michigan on the right side of the bubble and Indiana, uh, on the wrong side of the bubble and Indiana had a really heartbreaking loss against rival Purdue over the weekend. That would have been a huge feather in their cap when looking at their tournament resume. And they are desperate for a win against Michigan. They are playing this game in Indianapolis. So, you know, there will be a big Hoosier contingent there, and it's a game they must have. So that one is one that I'm I'm looking to watch from start to finish tomorrow. Jawan Howard is also back from suspension for Michigan uh, after that Wisconsin game and the incident in after following that Wisconsin game. Phil Martelli did a really nice job of keeping the Wolverine season afloat while Howard was out. They went three and two over that final five-game stretch, including wins over rivals Michigan State and Ohio State, the Ohio State game on the road. So he has really kept the season afloat for them. Um, And I think a win against Indiana tomorrow, they can feel pretty good moving forward the way things look right now. Also in that early time slot, we have TCU against Texas in the Big 12 tournament. And the reason that I am so interested in this game is because I love teams that are on the rise, that are doing something they don't do often. So Jamie Dixon has TCU at eight and 10 in conference on the year. They are looking pretty solid, like an eight or nine seed in the NCAA tournament right now. And this would be just the second time that Jamie Dixon has led the Horn Frogs to the NCAA tournament, and you might be thinking, like, okay, well, what's what's going on with Jamie Dixon and, and TCU down there? I mean, this is his this is his sixth season. But before he arrived in 2017 and made the tournament in 2018, the last time they had made the tournament was in 1998. So making the tournament for two to- two times over a five year span. Is actually something that's really impressive and an accomplishment for TCU, and they've had a really nice year. They've gotten some big wins. I mean, if you win eight games in the in the Big Twelve, you're bound to get some nice wins. But most notably, they beat Kansas uh, just. A week ago, just over a week ago, they played them back-to-back games. They beat them at home, fell just short on the road. But beating Kansas is a huge win. They beat Texas Tech before that, who's also a, a top team, the number three seed in the, in the Big 12 tournament this year. And uh, they've put together a really nice season. And they face off against a Texas team that, in Chris Beard's first year, they've been solid. Uh, I think is the best word to describe them. Twenty-one and ten overall, ten and eight in conference, but not spectacular. And they'll be a solid seed in the NCAA tournament the bracket matrix right now, which aggregates all the various bracketologists has them at about a five at a five seed. Five point one three is their average seed. So I mean, it's a top twenty-five ish year for them. Top twenty, top twenty-five year, uh, but. You know what they don't want to do? They don't want to lose in the first round to TCU because there's always those programs in a given conference where it's just not acceptable to lose to. And I feel like TCU is one of those teams in the Big 12 where it's just a great basketball conference, but you can't lose to TCU. So, you know, if Texas... Texas, to me, they could... It's just as likely that they lose this game to TCU tomorrow as they go on a run and and make the big 12 final. But uh, this is, this is one of the games I'm going to bet tomorrow. Am I picking this one is TCU plus six, you know, Texas did handle them on the road in the regular season. And then they played a little bit of a closer game uh, in, in Austin where Texas ended up getting the better of them by nine. But I just think in a one and done conference tournament setting neutral site, uh, the way the style that both of these teams play with both are Texas is very slow and plotting defensive focused. TCU is also a very strong defensive team. I think this game is just going to be one that is nip and tuck close throughout. So give me points in a situation like that. So I'm rolling with the Horn Frogs plus six tomorrow. And one last game that I am super interested in tomorrow is maybe a little bit of a nostalgia pick, kind of harkens back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, where you have these regional rivalries, you have the crowd rocking, uh, you have fan bases that love college basketball. So my last pick of the night, the game I can't wait to watch, is Villanova in Madison Square Garden against St. John's. So St. John's, Coming off a win today over DePaul. Really a destruction of DePaul. uh, Beat them by 19. And so they got Villanova tomorrow. Villanova, the number two seed in the Big East tournament. We haven't heard a ton about this, but Providence was crowned Big East regular season champion and earned the number 1 seed in the tournament with a 14 and 3 conference record. Meanwhile, Villanova finished 16 and 4 and did not get a share of the title even though they had more wins and played the full conference schedule. Providence had three games canceled due to COVID and they were not rescheduled. Uh, If those three games are played, there's a good chance that they drop at least one of them and Villanova at least gets a share of that title and uh, subsequently the number one seed because Villanova beat Providence twice this season. Uh, So Villanova's got something to prove, but you got St. John's Saturday or Thursday night 7 p.m. game in the garden, basically a home game for St. John's. I can guarantee you, with the style that St. John's plays, with that get up and down the court, try to force turnover style, with it being in the garden, uh, essentially a home game for St. John's. St. John's plays several home games there every year. This is going to be a game where if St. John's can get A hot start at all early. The entire crowd is going to be behind them, and the place is going to be going crazy, rooting for the upset. The UConn fans are going to be rooting for the upset. The Providence fans are going to see their path open up to a Big East title and be rooting for that upset. Everybody is going to rally around the Red Storm, of course, including the St. John's fans that are there. And I think it just has the potential for a really old school, fun conference tournament environment and kind of. Take me back to those days of why I started loving conference tournaments so much. So that is the last game that I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night. It was great being back with you all tonight. I can't wait for this month-long celebration of college basketball to get underway in earnest tomorrow. My plan throughout the month of March is to try to do some short check-ins as often as possible. So whether it be a reaction to a game that night, uh, gambling picks, for the next day or something crazy that happens that just needs to be discussed. I want to keep checking in throughout the month of March and doing some of these shorter 15, 20 minute episodes. So stay posted for that. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at Gorg on sports. And until next time, keep tailgating.